Who am I? What does it all mean? And how do I potentiate my best self in the world? Hey there, my name is Darren Steele, and this is the Think Queerly podcast where you can discover thoughtful and critical explorations to these very questions. Now, to enjoy a meaningful life requires self-mastery. And this is just another way of saying self-awareness, critical thought, open-mindedness, humility, and love for yourself and, and others for humanity. Now, in my work, I help deep thinkers and creatives cultivate their purpose and potential by sharing practices from transformational coaching to help you with your self-mastery. And when you foster curiosity, understanding, and respect for the natural diversity of humanity, you will enjoy more acceptance, tranquility, and freedom. It's Friday, March 12th, 2021. Are you waiting for something to happen? This is going to be some musings on creativity, expectations, surrender, and trust. And this just came out of me rather spontaneously this morning. You know, looking back, since 2018, I have published an article or a podcast every week, if not more. But I've actually been publishing consistently long before that date. I've had a few websites and publications along the way that allowed me to frame and shape my interests and business focus at the time over... The last 15 years, probably closer to 17 or 18 years. Now, my writings were first published on an early online website iteration called GayGuideToronto.com, and that became the GayGuideNetwork.com, where I've appeared on a couple times, and I have helped as editor on that site uh, up till about a couple of years ago. And the original name for the column was Flex because that was my early days as a personal trainer, and I was really working to position myself as uh, the gay male trainer. And I was also doing personal training at Epic Fitness, this wonderful, beautiful loft-style gym, like 15-foot ceilings on St. Joseph Street, just off of uh, uh, Young Street in Toronto, that had opened up as a gay gym for the LGBT community, but it was like 95% gay. And then I think a year later, it changed hands. And while it was still gay, um, or generally most of the uh, people going to that gym were gay, um, it was no longer focused in that way. But the majority of my readership would have been at that club. And the publisher of Gay Guy Toronto worked out at that club. So it was a fit. But then my column morphed into what was called Flex Your Mind when I really started um, pursuing personal growth, personal development, attending conferences and reading books of that nature, which has really led to the work that I do today. Now, since then, I've published on various websites of my own. First, I had integrated fitness and was doing blogs here and there and newsletters. And then I launched all about meal planning uh, beside that website when I was focusing on 
meal production, uh, bulk meal planning. And I sort of integrated all those things into eatmovebee.com, which uh, still exists, but is only archived and has numbers of recipes and personal development pieces around health and fitness. And then lastly, Think Queerly on Medium, which I formally closed uh, last summer, which was my LGBTQ publication. And I published um, authors on that publication as well as my own work. So now, Today, in this last year or so, I submit my articles to different publications on Medium for reach to engage and get to know uh, a larger audience. And then I just republish them on my website, darrensteel.com, for posterity. And since that's sort of my home and my name and what I do and all of that is that's my brand. You know, in 2018, I launched this podcast, which was originally called Living Out. And then I renamed it to the Think Queerly podcast uh, around episode episode 102, 103. And this is actually the 175th episode. And I've got the 176th already recorded sitting in the queue pending an article being published. So in this time period from June 2018 to now, I've, I've published more than one podcast a week. Um, the big question here is why am I telling you this story? Well, this morning did my morning journaling and I just didn't have it in me to do my sort of first thing morning writing after I handwrite my journal, I'll sit down at the computer and, and get to work on a new idea or continuing with something I'm already writing. It's been a very productive week and creatively I just didn't have any more juice in the tank or at least that's what I thought because I then went downstairs, made breakfast, sat down to eat my breakfast. My computer was open and I just started typing some notes. I was going to write my newsletter that goes out every Saturday. And I was concurrently reading an article by Steve Pavlina titled Being Appreciated as a Creator and it kind of annoyed me because it's true on one level, but here's one of the things he wrote. As tempting as it can be for creative artists who are just or first starting out, I encourage you to drop this idea of creating into a void and hoping to find an audience later. Find your starting audience before you create anything. A one-person audience is totally fine. Plenty of room to grow. End quote. Well, I think Pavlina is, is speaking as a creative entrepreneur in the sense of a creative production uh, for something that you're going to get paid to do. And that's fine. If you create something, but there's no one there to appreciate it, is there a point is basically the point he's making. And if your initial desire was to make money, well, not having an audience of some form is definitely going to be a problem. But what if you are compelled inspired by something deep within who you are? What if you can't help yourself but to dive deep into a subject that literally gives you life? Something that if you could do it all day and money were no object, that would be the thing you would do. I think many creatives have struggled with those questions, and it's where I find myself precisely today. So yesterday, um, on a walk with my partner, Christian, I shared um, these thoughts from Pavlina's article and how I was struggling with waiting. You know, 
an article about failure and success um, that I had written close to two weeks ago. I submitted to a publication on Medium and it was rejected and that's fine. But the editor offered really constructive feedback, some glowing feedback. He just felt it was kind of rambling and a little too long and it had too much to say when it needed to be broken apart into at least two or more. And so I did that. I reworked the article and I submitted part one last Saturday and it's on the meaning of failure and I'm really excited for it to come out and you to hear it or read it. So what am I waiting on? Will this update be accepted or will it be rejected? And if it's published, when will it be published? And when then can I publish the episode of Think Queerly that I've already recorded, which speaks to the article? And finally, I'm waiting because if it's not published this week, then I will have missed a week of publishing. Now, as a friend said to me this morning when I shared him, Uh, the draft of this article. He's like, you're kind of doing the snake eating its own tail. And it's like, yes, I'm actually publishing something now. And it's kind of the irony that because I didn't have something and I didn't intend to publish something this week other than a newsletter, this turned into something bigger than what I thought I was originally working on. But going back to all that waiting, right? Will it get published? When will it get published? When can I release... That's a laundry list of way too many expectations, unknowns, and things I cannot control. And do you ever feel like that? There's just too many balls in the air and you don't know what to do? Well, we always have a choice. We just have to maybe get down on a piece of paper what those options are. And these are mine with respect to that article that I have waiting, waiting, waiting. Will they like it? Will they approve it? Will they publish it? Option one, do nothing. Meaning don't even write. Like, because if I don't publish, if I don't ever write anything and submit it, then I don't ever have to worry about waiting. Option two, publish the article on my own website and just simply not get as many eyeballs on the message. Well, that, that kind of sucks. Option three, just hold your damn horses, Darren, because there's nothing I can do to influence the if or when any publications editor will accept my work. It's just a crapshoot. It could be the best article that one publisher loves, but another one will reject. So I'm going to take option three. (laughs) Talk about surrender and letting go. You know, hey, universe, thanks for the life lesson, right? This reminds me of a passage uh, from the Tao Te Ching, and this is just part of it from verse 9. Chase after money and security, and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval, and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. Do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. Interesting, right? It's not so much surrender as a giving up. It's just that you've done all that you can do and anything else is an expectation which is out of your control. So I can only step back by choosing option three to just hold my horses, which is another word for expectations. So in a really roundabout way, this brings me to my final point for today's show, which is my deep and utter fascination with the Tao teaching. I just received a new book 
uh, last week, a new translation, in fact. So I'm up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine translations. Yeah, nine, ten translations of the Tao Te Ching that I'm working with. And it's been just over a year, because I started in the very beginning of March of last year, that without the conscious intention, I began this journey into contemplating and discerning the principles for living a good and humane life that are expressed in the Tao Te Ching. Now, the original intention when I was starting to read the Tao was that I was looking for ideas to support my interest in queer leadership. But I was also, thankfully, open to whatever else would show up. I think I realized at the time that by doing this reading, I would be engaging my mind and coming up with new ideas that would give me uh, generative content for articles and podcasts. And it wasn't until I got to verse 56 of the Tao teaching that my journey really began, because that verse led me to adopting the term human-heartedness, and that came from a, 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 an explanation by Alan Watts um, on in one of his uh, spoken essays. And I felt like this was the raison d'etre, the reason for what I was seeking to understand, to develop, and share. And that's what's led to the six principles of human-heartedness, which I'm working on. And unbeknownst to me, my idea started to take on this bigger idea, this, this greater genesis of an idea, began to take the most discernible shape over the last, say, five or six weeks. Um, I've written three parts of my Where You Stand or What You Stand For uh, moral leadership series. And my original idea was to outline a framework of what could become a coaching project to help people establish a universal moral foundation, so to speak, and purpose in life to live into their greatest potential with an eye to, you know, being the change you want to see in the world and not leading over or powering over people, but creating positive evolutionary social change and improvement in the world. Two weeks ago, I had promised to my newsletter subscribers that the fourth installment would be coming out last week, thinking that that would have been the last part, the last part of the series, part four, and that would complete the construction of the idea. Well, the fourth part has taken on a life of its own, and the title is Towards a Harmonizing Universal Morality Based in the Tao Te Ching. And I've submitted it to a publication, and I'm hopeful that it will be accepted and published in the next one to two weeks. Generally, in a nutshell, and just speaking from the post itself, human-heartedness is a unifying practice based in transcendent character traits and values. Practiced together, these values work towards a harmonizing universal morality, a landscape upon which everyone can find a place of belonging and understanding. I really am excited about releasing this post. I don't know if I'll be able to turn this into a podcast because it's a, 
It's 4,200 words. I may break it up into a couple parts and maybe just do a general commentary, or I'll speak to the individual uh, principles themselves and maybe make that a a six or seven part shorter uh, series of podcast episodes. So what is the moral of this story today? Are you waiting for something to happen is how I started. Well, I can only speak for myself relating to my journey of developing a philosophy, a way of human heartedness, which is a nod to the Tao Te Ching, which is kind of like a way of life and virtue is one possible translation of the title. Let me tell you, there have been many times of self-doubt and feeling like an imposter in this process, and I'm sure that will rear its head many times in the future to come. But what I've come to realize is that I have to trust. I have to trust the process. I have to trust that what I am doing feels right. I have to trust that feeling of rightness within me. And if I'm not happy with the external manifestations in my life, like am I making enough money or do I have enough things and where I live and so on, then I would have to change my approach or accept and trust that this passion project, this human heartedness philosophy is who I am. Just reflecting on my own personal growth in in reading and practicing um, these behaviors that I'm learning from the Tao teaching that I've turned into um, practicable, actionable behaviors have, I feel, made a profound difference in my peace of mind, my thoughtfulness, my focus, my understanding of what others are doing in my environment um, and just the freedom I feel in general. And surprisingly, maybe rightly so, those are all my values. That's how I show up in the world. So I know I'm on the right track. I know I'm on the right track, I should say. And here's the thing. If I don't follow this path, if I don't follow this path, That will be a failure of trust in myself. So there's no right or wrong here. Think in your own life about those moments where you felt compelled to do something, but it seemed there was no right reason to do that. Did you trust in your gut, in your instincts, and how you felt? Did you pursue that? To the fullest degree? Did you make that a hobby that you just consistently did and and you fulfilled the objectives of, of what it is you wanted to accomplish? Or did you think, I can't do this because I want to make more money or I want to do this instead? That's no judgment. That's no right or wrong. It's just interesting to look back on the transformative decisions or the potential for transformation and the decisions we've made in our life that lead us down path A, path B, or path C. 
So thank you so much for listening. And if this has been helpful in some way, I'd love to hear from you. What's been the biggest insight that you've taken from this episode today, or perhaps sticking to the conclusion of this show? Where have you failed to trust in yourself? Where have you failed to trust in yourself? And is that a regret that you're living with? Or is opening up to accepting that this moment has happened, are you able to look at that moment of doubt and pick up where you left off? Thanks for listening.